0: You're listening to The Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio and Sneaky Joe DiBiase on WGR Sports Radio 550. It's
2: unreal. I can't even describe it right now. I can't lie. We fought for another two weeks with each other, man. And, you know, obviously, it's my first time in a Super Bowl. I, I just can't. I couldn't be more excited. We, we were down, down big, of course. It didn't go our way, but we fought. We kept fighting. We, we fight for each other. Like I said, we fought for another two weeks with each other. Josh, had to tell
3: me again who that was. You told me, and I think I did not get... Trent Williams, thank you. There you go. San Francisco 49ers. Niners against Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Rematch from a few years ago. I mean, what's... The, Joe, remember how we opened the show and I said, I just think there's too much of the, this guy can't win, this guy can't beat that guy, can't get over this, and mm-hmm. there's not enough of the, hey, I mean, give the credit to the other team. Like, it's, it's hard to win. Only one team can. I would ask you, though, if Kyle Shanahan loses in the Super Bowl. What are we saying about him? I mean, he's he mm-hmm. he's gotten to two then. He actually had the one in Atlanta where he was the offensive coordinator and they blew it, but he would have gotten to two and he wouldn't have won any. I mean, is that become his thing? People say he just can't win the Super
1: Bowl. Uh, he I, think I would think it would be unfair you, if it is. Yeah, I think when you make it to the Super Bowl, you generally don't get that as much. Um I think people know enough that, like, b- them's the breaks, right, a little bit sometimes in right. games. Uh, if you lose, like, three or four, then maybe you start getting it. But I, I I don't think you'd hear it about Shanahan if they lost, like, a close game.
3: We are going to welcome now in now on the West Her Hotline from our Odyssey Sister Station, 670 The Score. In Chicago, Chris Emma, friend of the program, has been on before. Chris, it's Sal and Joe here in Buffalo. Hope you're enjoying your uh, – off-season, and I know it just started for everybody here just a few weeks ago for you guys in Chicago. Good morning.
4: What's up? How we doing? Doing well,
3: doing well. Brought you on for a few different things, Chris. Want to talk about, you know, what the Bears might do in the off-season. But let's start with Eric Washington. Um, you and I were texting about, you know, Eric over the weekend and kind of what he brings and my experience with him in Buffalo. He goes to he goes to Chicago, and I said you, know, I think he's a really good teacher, right? I think, he's a, I think you know, something that I liked watch, watching him coach, watching him teach with the position group. What are they What are they looking for in Chicago? Why did they reach out to get Eric Washington as a defensive coordinator?
4: Yeah, I, I love that, you know, Sal, you use the word teacher, because Matt Eberflus a couple of weeks ago when I asked about what he looked for in that defensive coordinator, he said the number one most important thing is to find a great teacher. And it, it makes sense when you consider what this role is. And Matt Eberflus is a defensive-minded coach. He, it's his defense. It's his uh, system. And he's going to be calling that unit moving forward. That's something that he decided in making this hire. But – He wanted somebody who's the right complement, somebody who understands the scheme, but more so, I think, understands the development track. And the Bears are very raw on the defensive line. They've done a good job at linebacker, T.J. Edwards, Tremaine Edmonds, who you guys know very well, and then they've upgraded that that secondary where it's a strength for this group. But I think it matters that Eric Washington comes from a background in which he's been developing defensive linemen, and, and a long track record of that specific within this defensive scheme. The Bears running that kind of cover two style, I think that goes a long way. They really need to get better in that group. They've got some young guys, including a pair of D2, uh, D2 picks from last year with Zach Pickens and Jeron Dexter Sr. And they want to see this group develop. They want to really upgrade that defensive line. But uh, Eric Washington's role is going to be alongside Matt Rafus and overseeing this defense, uh, helping him in terms of scouting and getting the game plan ready for each week, but also being that guy in front of the room when Matt Ibrafus is in an offensive meeting or somewhere else within the building. And, Eric Washington seems like a great leader, a guy who is really well regarded and respected around the league, and I think it's a great pickup for the Bears.
3: He has been a defensive coordinator. He was in Carolina as well. This is the second year for Matt Eberfluss. Um, How much, after the year the Bears had, how much heat was on him? Like, was there a talk at all that the Bears could move on from him or was it always kind of understood he was going to get a third year?
4: No, it, it was up. It was up in the air. They weren't really sure. Uh, Kevin Warren, the team's new president, really promised. He said we want to do a thorough evaluation, and and he left that to the end of the season. Like it, they had no decision made. And usually, you know, these things get leaked out nationally. You hear so and so is expected to return. Like there was really none of that with Matt Eberfuss because everybody in that building truly did not know. Uh, they went into that season finale in Green Bay, a tough loss for the Bears, finished out seven to ten. And they didn't really reveal that Eberfuss would return until that Wednesday. So, three days later, and the longer it went, you were kind of wondering are they going to make this change? Like, consider for a fact that, you know, the Bears are in a great position here in terms of draft capital. Uh, they've rebuilt over two seasons, and they're expecting to be a contender this year. They had a chance, that they wanted, to dump Matt Eberfuss and get a guy who's that clear upgrade as a head coach. And they believe in him. They think he can get them over the top. They like the way that this thing is trended under his watch. And, uh, they elected to stand by Matt Eberflus.
1: Do you think them retaining him has any does, – does it say anything about what the chances are of them picking a quarterback one overall versus keeping Justin Fields? I, I mean, I might think if you're going to pick a quarterback one, like why not bring in a fresh head coach, kind of time them up at the same time. But, you know, <laughs> we, we've also thought that that was meaningful in the past and then the teams just go ahead and pick the guy anyway.
4: It's a great question, because you're exactly right. That's the way it should be looked at. The Bears don't do things that way, and, and they've messed this up over the years. In 2017, it was John Fox in a lame duck third season when they drafted Mitch Trubisky, and John Fox didn't even know they were making that pick when they selected Trubisky second overall, which speaks to a poor organization. And then 2021, they brought back Matt Nagy for a fourth season, which was a lame duck year, and they go out and draft Justin Fields, and the Bears just never seem to learn. They, they, you're right, they should be aligning the head coach and the quarterback, and I think That was part of why I thought Matt Eberflus might not return, was because you had to get that right. Uh, They elected to bring back Matt Eberflus. You can call it a lame duck year. We'll see. I I think they're trending the right way, and it's curious to see what the expectations are. But as it relates to the quarterback, I I don't think anything was determined in terms of what they're going to do. And I think they still truly do not know. I, I believe they are leaning toward drafting Caleb Williams. But... Ryan has said he wants to take this as deep as he can. They feel really good about Justin Fields. They believe in him as a starter. I think there's absolutely a scenario in which he's back leading the Bears next season, but they also see Caleb Williams has the high ceiling. I mean, he could be a superstar in this league. And Justin Fields, as good as he's been, he's got a high forward, but they think there's a cap on his ceiling. And and I think that's ultimately what it comes down to. Now, to your point, it's about the coaching. It's about developing Caleb Williams, getting this thing right, and building yourself in the long term that way. And uh, I've got a lot of question marks as to whether they can do that.
1: Well, I, I wonder, like, their history, I, it's got to be so interesting, like, for this offseason for them, especially for the fans, because you have the Bears who passed on Patrick Mahomes. I don't know how controversial that was at the time, but they did that. And you often hear Caleb Williams called, like, the closest thing to Patrick Mahomes. So, like, mm-hmm. part of me thinks, how in the world are you going to pass on that again Vers- versus. They also just traded down and passed on quarterbacks last year, and that yep. trade could not have gone better.
4: The trade went great, but they, they, you know C.J. Stroud looks like he's going to be that next star. They they evaluated him. They looked at he along with Bryce Young in this quarterback class, and. They did believe they were better off punting, and I get why they did it. You mentioned that that haul. They got D.J. Moore. They got a pair of first-round picks. They've got a pair of second-round picks. Like, massive haul, franchise-altering haul that can really set them up. And, obviously, that first-round pick they got is number one overall. I don't know if they quite forecasted that, but it's a fortunate situation. You got a chance to get this right now with the quarterback position. And for all the resources, everything you've done with this roster, a very good, promising young roster they got. It doesn't matter if you miss on the quarterback thing. You've you got to get this right. Two years in a row with the number one pick, you can't be sitting here a few years later saying, man, we missed at the quarterback here. Caleb Williams has that high upside, and I, I believe he's going to be a star in this league. And I, I think the Bears see that. They understand to get this thing right and to really solidify a roster that can be a championship-caliber group, you've got to get Caleb Williams in there.
3: And I agree because, of, if anything, I mean, what sways it real heavily for me, Chris, is the contract situation? You have to pay Justin Fields eventually if you're going to keep him. Even if you don't pay him top top money, you got to pay him enough. Whereas you get to reset the entire you know financial landscape by bringing Kayla Williams on a rookie contract.
4: Yeah, and that matters. That absolutely matters. When you're doing, right, you know, Ryan Pole's first task was to get this team out of a terrible salary cap situation, and that's why they ultimately chose to do the rebuild. He's not taking that for granted. He's not gone out there with a clean cap and started spending left and right and getting this team, you know, deep in the books. He's understood that it's a luxury that they got to keep safe. And yeah, you're exactly right, Sally. If you do get Caleb Williams, you're resetting uh, that salary clock. Versus if you do keep Justin Fields, he's through year three. You've got to pay him like a starter. you got to invest around him truly as your guy. It, this can't be another punt year where you look to next year. and Maybe we get our guy in 2025. Like, it's a decision here. Uh, everybody's kind of waiting for it. It's been the story of Chicago now into this early part of the offseason. And draft is three months away. We'll see where it goes. But I do believe by the end of next month or into early March, I think the Bears will be trading Justin Fields and getting ready for Caleb Williams.
1: Back on the head coaches for a moment. Is there any bitterness from Bears fans that they didn't specifically go after Jim Harbaugh?
4: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at it the nice parallel in Chicago is they just did this on the baseball side and they've done it before too of the Cubs, you know, in 2014 into 15, they let go of Rick Renteria, who was a good man, but they said, let's go get Joe Madden. This guy's a championship caliber manager and he leads the Cubs to the world series. And this past fall, they get rid of a franchise beloved figure in David Ross was the manager and managed pretty well because Hey, Craig council is the best manager in baseball. Let's go do that. Like, George Kasky, the Bears' chairman, is a huge Cubs fan. You think maybe that would inspire him? Like, hey, let's do this. Eberflus is fine, but Jim Harbaugh's the best coach out there. He would absolutely love to come back to the Bears. He had a chance to do it. They, they didn't even interview him. They didn't look at it. Uh, Ryan Poles was asked, "Did you consider talking to Jim Harbaugh?" And he said, "No, he's the head coach in Michigan." And that one really rubbed people the wrong way because now he's the Los Angeles Chargers head coach and. Uh, this is a guy who's got such a great track record and in particular developing quarterbacks. And yeah, I think their fans are really irked by that one.
3: Interesting because so polls, uh, a semi-local guy here. So I know a lot of people know who he is. He's from Canandaigua, New York. How much is on him now, the hot seat, whatever you want to call it to a get this right, obviously and how much, uh, uh, how much, you know, can maybe some heat come on him and how quickly would that be before they start thinking that maybe he's not the right guy to build the program?
4: Yeah, it's curious, and I think the one thing before you really evaluate polls is kind of sorting out who led the decisions this offseason. Kevin Warren, former Big Ten commissioner of the Bears, now uh, president, has been a year into the job. He has a firm grasp on football operations. The previous president, Ted Phillips, that was not the case. He was not a football guy. He was more of the business side, and the general manager always had the authority. I want to know, and I don't know if I'm ever going to really truly know it, was this Ryan Pulse saying, I want to give Bruce back, or was Ryan Poles is the one who said, I want to get a guy like Jim Harbaugh in there. And Kevin Warren said, we're standing by Matt Eberflus. Kevin Warren pointed to his role back with the Rams in the late 90s when he saw Dick Vermeil really have two tough years, his first two years leading St. Louis. In year three, they go on to win the Super Bowl. And he pointed to that as why they wanted to bring back Matt Eberflus. We'll see. Ryan Poles certainly has put in a lot of work building this roster, getting things right. Matt Eberflus was Ryan Poles' pick as head coach a couple of years back. I would love to know: Are they still on the same page? Are they really connected the way they should be to lead this thing forward? My impression is yes, and there's a lot of pressure on Ryan Poles as a result to get this thing really get the results. Now, after going from three and fourteen to seven and ten, this team has to be a playoff team next season. If they're not, that's really going to put some pressure on Ryan Poles. Question for both uh, you and Joe: What do you guys think? What, what does Justin Fields
3: get? Like, what are you looking for? If you're if you're trading Justin Fields, Joe, you got to ask for at least a first
4: rounder, right? I mean. Like, what is the return on that?
1: And then what do you
3: think, Chris, they're going to
1: ask for? Yeah, Go ahead, Chris. You go first.
4: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've, I've talked to sources around the league who believe they could. If everything goes right, get that bidding war where you can get a one. And think about the teams in need. Okay. Now, those teams outside of the top ten, outside of that quarterback mix, the, the Steelers, or the Raiders, uh, the Falcons, those are teams that are going to be looking for a quarterback. If you play your cards right, you're going to be able to get a strong return. you got potentially a first back for Justin Fields. I think most likely it's going to be a second and a throwout three or second and mm. change some kind of package that way but uh you got to play these cards right here. You, know, you think about a month from now with the combine that's Ryan pulls his time, Go get the market, really build this thing up for Justin Fields and get teams interested.
1: Yeah. I was going to say the same thing Chris. Like my thought on that would be like they would do really well to get a first round pick and I would not think Bears fans should be upset if they got like a second and whatever on top of it because the team acquiring Fields you're I mean you're acquiring them cuz you're getting a quarterback upgrade. But the, th- you've burned up the rookie deal, you know? So, like, you've got a, you've got a contract to figure out on top. It's not like you're trading for him in year two. You know what I mean? Like, second round pick plus, like, you've got to pay him a contract, which I think is going to impact that too.
4: Yeah, I, I think that's probably where it's going. But look, to your point, yeah, it, it, there's teams that need a quarterback, and right. you're either you got to be at the top five of the draft or making some dramatic trade up if you want to get them. If you're a team like the Steelers, you, you know Kenny Pickett's not that guy. Mm, like Steelers, Justin Steelers, Fields should yeah. be it. A- Atlanta, the Falcons, they've not gotten that quarterback thing yeah. right in a few years. Justin Fields is an Atlanta native. Ryan Pace, who drafted Justin Fields to the Bears in 2021, he's number two in command now for the Falcons front office. So. Mm. Uh, keep those teams in mind, and then you never know with the Raiders, right? They're always kind of the wild card out there. So, uh, those are the three teams I'm focused on.
1: Yeah. How do you see the uh, the division around Chicago right now? Because both Detroit and Green Bay had a lot of success in the playoffs. I think Green Bay really sh- should have won that game against the Niners, and then you would have had an all NFC uh, North NFC championship. So how repeatable do you think what those two teams did, and do you think that like those are kind of the class, is it right to consider them the class of the division right now?
4: Yeah, I love that you asked that question, because right now my column on 670 com went up in which I pointed out how difficult this division's going to be for a number of years, and Ryan Poles had this great line two years ago when he was hired saying, we want to take the North and never give it back. That's a really tough goal right now, and the Bears have put themselves in positions for sustained success, but... Yes, yeah, the Lions were twelve and five this year. They had the same kind of rebuild. They're here to stay. Like that's a really good team. I know it was a really tough night for them out in, out west, but uh, that's a team that's not going anywhere. The Packers had the youngest roster in the NFL this season. Jordan Love looks like a star already. I mean, they went for Brett Favre, to heard Rodgers, and everybody's wondering if Love can be that guy. He looks fantastic. Like that—that's your franchise quarterback in Green Bay now, and you got so many young pieces around him. Man, that team's not going anywhere. The Vikings, they've not gone more than two years uh, without a playoff berth here in, in the last decade, the last 15 years, I could say. They've not won fewer than seven games in the last decade. That's a team that's always right there. You never really count them out. So uh, it's going to be really tough. The Bears understand that this division is potentially going to be one of the best in football next season, and, uh, ideally for a long time for these other, four, these other three teams. I mean, there's a lot of staying power there. You've got some really good coaches in place, some really bright executives, and uh, I think the Bears know They're in for a challenge to try to take the North.
3: By the way, I think I speak for a lot of Bills fans listening when I say they hope the Carolina, the Chicago Bears, excuse me, do take Justin Fields. Because, I'm, Caleb, I'm screwing this up. The Chicago Bears do take Caleb Williams because then Washington take, takes Drake May, oh. and the Patriots do not get one of these guys. That, that is key. <laughs> yep. Yeah.
4: Yeah, and I mean that's what we don't want to happen. Yep, and, and it's because the Bears. If you no teach, doubt about it. As I was say, you can get that biddy yeah, order for number one pick again.
3: No doubt about it. Chris, uh, wh- wh- how would you evaluate Tremaine Edmond's season?
4: Uh, it was good. I think he really stepped in as a leader. They, they liked his presence. This is a guy for uh, a young group who had a lot of success in Buffalo, and uh, he was a great teammate. He was somebody who really relayed a lot of that and, Uh, through the early struggles of this season. He was a guy in the locker room who was helping this team kind of stay afloat. And, hey, it's going to take a little bit. Stay calm. Stick to the course. And I don't know if the Bears have the success they do towards the end of the year without a guy like Edmonds in there. But he also had a a tough measuring stick because he was essentially the Roquan Smith replacement. The Bears dealt Roquan Smith a year ago for a second-round pick. They didn't want to pay him. The Ravens did. And that guy looked like an absolute superstar in that Baltimore defense. Uh, including yesterday, man, he balled out even in a loss. Uh, Evans played well. I, I think he could have played better, frankly. I-, I think he has another level in him that wasn't really there, and he dealt with a knee injury in November. I don't think this season quite worked out the way that he wanted to. And you know, TJ Edwards played better than him, frankly, at linebacker this year. Edwards was fantastic. Uh, I think I'm not worried about Evans. I think he's going to be a great player for this team for a number of years. He's still 25, which is amazing for a player who entered yeah, the league in amazing. 2018. We well, to always say the um, same thing. Yeah, it's just a, he's got he's he's a playmaker. I think there's more plays he can make, but uh, mm. he's been a really important addition for this group.
1: Hmm.
3: Right, that's like, and then before we let you out, Chris, yeah,
1: go ahead, Joe. I was just gonna say real quick, like that's the exact way I feel like we've talked about Tremaine Edmonds for like four years, <laughs> where he was good. We think there's another level in there, and also, guys, he's look how young he is still. Like he's a good player, but man, that is like exactly how it sounded like the last five years with him. But yeah.
4: I, yep.
3: Go ahead, Sal. All right. So that's, that's right. Before I let you go, um, can you give us an up stadium situation with the Bears? I mean, I remember when we were there for preseason and a lot of talking at the owners meetings last year, there was a set where they're going to build it. Then there wasn't. I mean, what is exactly
4: going on there now? It's a great question because nothing's really changed here over the last few months. and uh, Everybody kind of thought at some point they they would, you know, the Bears own Arlington Park out in the Burbs. That's a 326-acre facility. Uh, It's an incredible plot of land in which you can not only build a stadium but a massive entertainment district. They want to get that done, but they've had issues with getting tax certainty. They've been fighting with uh, the politicians there. And the Bears, even though they own that land, have said, we're wide open. We're looking at everything, including Chicago. Kevin Warren, who's leading this project, has not been shy about taking photos with Mayor Brandon Johnson of Chicago. Uh, he's been taking interest from other suburbs, such as Naperville, uh, looking at every offer and kind of building the pressure against Arlington to get this thing done. I ultimately do believe they're going to break out ground at Arlington at some point this year. Uh, that's what a fortified year venture. You're still looking several years down the road. But, yeah, Chicago's made an intriguing case about either uh, rebuilding Soldier Field entirely or building in the South Stadium lot, just south of the current Soldier Field, and redoing this it's a tough plot of land to really get this stadium thing right and to build this the proper way you should. I think they're looking at Arlington. I think they will get it done eventually. But uh, it's been really a tough impasse. The Bears have struggled to get through.
3: All right, Chris, thanks a lot, buddy. We always appreciate you. I know the short notice I got with you today, but enjoy the offseason. It should be really, really interesting and fun in Chicago this offseason with all the decisions ahead. you got the number one pick. You have Justin Fields. You can trade one. You can trade the other. Take Caleb Williams. It's, it's going to be pretty interesting for you guys over
4: there. Yeah, fascinating times. Uh, it's a lot to look forward to. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it.
3: You got it. Chris, I'm right there. The score and Odyssey in Chicago, our sister station out there. We'll take a timeout. All right, Joe. Let's do this then. When we come back, how about you and I kick around if you're a team, which teams should want to trade for Justin Fields? We could do that because that's going to be a huge decision for that organization, and that could really alter the landscape of a lot of other things that happen in the draft. So when we come back, we'll do that a little bit. We'll kick around what teams should be interested in trading for Justin Fields and having to pick up his 50-year option and give him a contract extension. We'll do that when we come back on WGR.
5: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
2: I don't think it's too
0: many coaching voices, but I just think when, you know, you're fed a lot of information at a point in time and trying to think about that info, like when you're playing, it's like doesn't let you play like yourself you're trying to process so much information to where it's like if I just simplified in my mind I would have did this like I saw a few plays on Sunday to where if I was playing like my old self like we would have had a positive play like there would have been a few more third down conversions so I think that's the biggest thing for me is just you know playing the game how I know how to play it how I've been playing in my whole life so
3: so that was Bears quarterback Justin Fields Early in the season when there was a lot of scrutiny over maybe him, that was people interpreting him, calling out the coaching staff. It actually turned around pretty well for him, Joe. He did have an injury. He was out for four games, but he had some really nice performances as well mixed in. There was a game at Minnesota. He went 73% completion percentage. There were a couple of games there. He had um, two games back-to-back where he went four touchdown passes and only one interception against Denver and none against Washington. Did a really nice job, and he was close to 10 yards um, per attempt in those games. So it's been a bit <clears throat> a bit uneven. I think if you're another team, you look and say, okay, yeah, we might be able to harness something here. But it also would be tough to maybe bring him in, give up a really high pick, and have to pick up the fifth-year option and probably sign him to an extension if you do that.
1: Right. That's that's why I think the Bears likely do not find their way to getting a first-round pick for him. I I don't mm-hmm. doubt that they can maybe get a second or even a third, but... I don't know. Like, when guys are up, what do they typically get? Like, how different is he really than Baker Mayfield when he was available for trade Mm. from Cleveland? And Mayfield only fetched a fifth round pick. And that was the same timing. Like, it was okay, time's up, rookie deal. You got to decide whether or not to pay this guy. And maybe, you know, Fields has a better reputation right now than Mayfield, but Mayfield had, you know, he had, the touchdown record for rookies at the time. He had won a playoff game. He was super injured the year before, so he was maybe his value was down. But I don't think they cash in. I, I think he's an upgrade for a bunch of teams. But I just I I can't believe the Bears would pass on another you know round of top quarterbacks to to keep going with Fields. I mean, I think if you start at the
3: bottom of the draft, and let's just say, you know, Kansas City, San Francisco, whichever way it is, thirty-one, thirty-two, mm. and you go up, Baltimore, Detroit, it takes you a while to get to a team that even would be interested here. Because right. if you're a bottom, if you're a bottom team in the first round, you could justify it more. The higher you go up, you're not going to do that. But let's just go through the exercise here. Yeah, you get no Baltimore, no Detroit, no Buffalo, no Arizona. Nope. No, t- I don't think right. Arizona's not no, no, on no. From there was rumblings early in the year, but Murray's there. I think Tampa is pretty all set with Baker, and they're not going to swap out Baker for Justin Fields after what Baker just Correct. did, right? I wouldn't see that. Right. Okay. Green Bay, no. Dallas, no. Houston, no. Philly, no. Miami, no. Pittsburgh's the first one you land on at pick 20. That's the first one. Yeah. And there have been rumblings that maybe they'd be interested in something like that. Definitely no in Miami. Are you giving Tua, they're, they, they Are you giving Tua the fifth year and the... Um, extension yeah. or Justin Fields and giving up capital? It's Tua. Yeah, it's, definitely, it's definitely, if that's the choice, you, you're not giving up capital for Justin Fields to swap out. for No, Tua.
1: that's that's right. That's right. If they right, if they ever move on from Tua, they do like the the Golf right. Stafford trade where they're getting like a, we're getting a guy that does things. Yeah, or it has more of a reputation, right? Fields doesn't have the the track record for a trade like that. I don't think you want a veteran guy if they ever did that. So no, right? The, Pittsburgh, I think is your your correct is like the first team where you think about it.
3: First team by going up. The next team I get to is Seattle. I do wonder if Seattle would be interested in something mm-hmm. like that. They they don't. Yep. They have draft picks. They. John Schneider loves trading draft picks, right? But you know where yep. they are with their quarterback. Maybe they feel that they do something like that, and then. And then you get to the New Orleans's, where in the Vegas's, even Denver, yeah. with what their situation is. Yeah. Minnesota. There's a bunch of teams in that middle. And then Atlanta, of course, at
1: eight, is the one that's been the most tied to him. The the middle teams, I think I like the most for this. Because like Atlanta at eight, if I'm Atlanta, if this quarterback class is, like, if the draft process plays out and it's as good as we think, where... It's not just the top two. Like Jaden Daniels is like getting a ton of hype now, um, and and was. I mean, he won the Heisman, and you've got um, Michael Penix, who's got a massive arm. And you know, I the next crop is where you start to get iffy. But Bo Nix has been a first round guy in recent mocks, and so was JJ McCarthy. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're Atlanta at eight, I might think I got a pretty good shot at either at eight getting a guy that I could just draft and develop, or I can move up and get a guy. Um, versus those other teams there, like Minnesota with Cousins as a free agent. Who knows if they get him back? And you mentioned Denver and Vegas, like in in Seattle. These are teams where if they want to do something, they might not be in position to do it at the draft. So let's go to the trade market. And you th- probably think Fields is the most respectable idea. That's going to be available unless some star quarterback that we don't think is available. And you mentioned Seattle, just real quick on them. They they did pay Geno Smith, but they set up his contract so that they can wiggle their way out of that. You know, like long term they're not tied up at the very least. Like this year, they could save half the money if they wanted to go in with Fields and Smith and just eat it for a year. Then next year they get out of almost all of it. So Seattle can do it, even though they pay Geno Smith. And maybe, you know, they might want to.
3: Who is the New England Patriots starting quarterback next season, week one?
1: I would bet right now it's Jaden Daniels. I think, I think they'll pick a quarterback at three. I think he's the third guy. I think he, because of his athleticism and his tools. And I don't think Williams or mm-hmm. May will be there. Um, I would bet it's a rookie. And if you ask me right now, I think Daniels would be third. I think you're right. He's
3: rising, getting a lot of love. Yep. How does that make you feel about the Patriots going forward?
1: Um, I mean, I would respect them more as a threat. I would n- not on the immediate though. Like I don't think the roster is near ready to compete with right. the top of the division. Um, but it would be like uh let me keep your let me keep my eye on them a little bit. In in season 1 of Game of Thrones, they like are keeping an eye on Daenerys who doesn't show up until like season 6. But they know in season one, like, hey, we just got to kind of track this. Like, that's New England for me. It's season one of Game of Thrones where, like, I'm not worried about them in season one, but maybe by season five I'm going to have to really start worrying about it.
3: Okay. Would you have the exact same answer if I gave them Caleb Williams or Drake May?
1: Uh, mm, I I think for me personally I would have to say yes. I mean, is Williams and May so much better? I mean, they're definitely better right in terms of how the, the level of prospect you never know um, I think they are yeah I th- I think Williams would scare me just because of the talent level there and you know there I guess there's some like personality questions and like you know how does he deal with adversity type stuff but for me I, I would feel like the right coach can can keep a lid on that if it even needs to be if it's true in the first place um so Williams would scare me because I the the types of throws he makes, the types of plays he makes off structure, like mm-hmm. the, the stuff that CJ Stroud did in year one with Houston, like I think he is capable of doing things like that. Versus the other two I guess Daniels is capable too. I, I don't know. I, I guess I should I shouldn't say I would rule out that even Daniels could make them like uh uh like, oh look at this, they struck gold and now I've gotta worry about them too. Um <laughs> Williams would be the one though, of course, it would terrify me the most if he ended up there somehow. Well, if that happened,
3: then you're pushing Marvin Harrison
1: Jr. down the board. Yes. There's no way you can push him down
3: far enough for the Bills to trade up well, though, I don't think. Right? I think and I wouldn't necessarily want to do that for a wide receiver. This is a very good wide receiver draft anyway. Yeah. But, you know, I don't want I don't want Harrison Jr. in New England. He would then maybe get to four, you get the Cardinals, who knows? Maybe they take neighbors instead. There's a lot of buzz yeah. now. Chris Trapasso actually has neighbors over Harrison Jr. by the way. Did you see that?
1: I did see that, yeah. He right, he's ranked people, him and, and,
3: and he's not the only one.
1: Yeah, I the New England with Marvin Harrison Jr. I I think there, there's there's a debate here. Like, would you rather? What would you rather have them do? Because if they pick Marvin Harrison Jr. just the way receivers are recently, and the way quarterbacks are in nature, you might think there's a higher mm-hmm. probability that Harrison Jr. is going to hit. Like, he's going to be unbelievable. There's no doubt about it. The guy is too talented not to be. And the way receivers hit it's a higher percentage versus quarterback it is kind of a crapshoot so they pick Jaden Daniels you know the the upside for Daniels is higher because if it's a quarterback that you hit on well I'll now look out versus Harrison Jr like they still will have to hit on quarterback for it to matter but I think it's more likely they're going to hit on like a, a like a hall of fame level talent if that makes sense
3: yeah, that's right. I agree with that. And and look, they are void of talent around the roster. And honestly, yes. I have no idea what Gerard Mayo is going to be like as a head coach. He could be great. He could be a
1: disaster. Who knows? I mean, the Belichick tree. I mean, you, I think betting right? against anyone from the Belichick tree, no matter who it is, you typically are going to hit or you're typically going to be right if i assuming they're not going to be great because who is it really worked out for? I think... I think I saw this was maybe before the year, so I don't know if it's changed. But the only coach from the Belichick tree that has a winning record in the pros is Brian Flores, and he even he's only like one game over 500. Like, mm-hmm. it just doesn't work for these guys. So I don't. And you, think and you I can't count
3: Grable; he was only a player. He right. wasn't actually a coach. Yeah, and I don't, under, da- under I
1: don't think Dable counts because they usually go for like who the coordinator was. I think, um, or like it's whoever you got hired from. Maybe is how they did it. So, yeah, like, does it have to work? Who's going to run his offense is a big question. Because whoever, if you draft a quarterback there, like, you're going to have the right guy to develop him. And identifying talent is really key. If you're not going to be a play caller, that's fine. But then you've got, like, look at Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell doesn't call plays on either side of the ball. But he they got to the NFC Championship in part because he identified the coaches underneath him that were going to run his offense and his defense, and he and it worked, and that is something that Belichick missed on repeatedly, especially lately. You can't you can't make you have giant you know misses at those positions. And Mayo, I don't know, like who who he's going to bring in to run his offense. I think will be very critical to whether the quarterback they, they pick apparently will succeed.
3: Have- Nine candidates right now, guys. They've interviewed total and For all that. Like said, the last one was, yeah, uh, Nick Kaylee, the tight ends coach from the Rams. There's guys from the Niners. Okay. There's, there's people everywhere right now. I mean, and that's fine. I think that's great. You, you got to do your due diligence. I don't see any like names, like name guys. You know what I mean? Attached to that job though, right now.
1: Yeah, um, Luke Getze, I think I saw attached to them. Yeah? But even is he a name? Like he spent a couple years with the Bears and it didn't go great. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, like I've not seen. The only name, big name I've seen that's been attached to a coordinator job, I think, is Arthur Smith in Pittsburgh, if that ends up happening.
3: Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah, that's right. And that is, um, yeah, that's right. That's in Pittsburgh,
1: you're right. That'd be so funny, right? Like, Arthur Smith got buried and dunked on by everybody for how bad a play caller he was this year in Atlanta, and Pittsburgh, who has not been able to figure that out, is going to go with him. They they have not hired him, so I don't want to criticize them yet for it. Right.
3: Um, Speaking of coordinators... Ken Dorsey got a job in Cleveland. Joe, in about an hour and fifteen minutes, I got to go on Cleveland radio to talk about Ken Dorsey. Hmm. I'm going to ask you, what do you think? What, I'm going to put you in that position. What what should we say about Ken Dorsey to our friends at 93.7 The Fan in Cleveland? Let's kick that around because I got to do that in about uh, an hour, a little over an hour. So Ken Dorsey gets the job in Cleveland. Joe Brady gets the job in Buffalo. We'll talk about Bobby Babbage's situation as well here when the Extra Point Show continues on WGR.
1: Extra Point Show here on WGR. Eight oh three oh five fifty is the phone number. We have a few minutes if you want to sneak one in here. Niners and Chiefs in the Super Bowl, of course, as Kansas City wins in the AFC Championship game yesterday while the Niners beat the Lions, and everyone will be talking about Dan Campbell, I'm sure, for the next eight months. The Cleveland Browns hire Ken Dorsey to be their new offensive coordinator. And, Sal, you're going on Cleveland Radio in a couple hours, right?
3: Yeah, well, at 1 o'clock today, I am going to go on our friends over at 93.7 The Fan in Cleveland. They're going to ask me about Ken Dorsey. Mm -hmm. And I've thought about it. Like, what should I say about Ken Dorsey? What they're getting in an offensive coordinator because... It's easy just to go, ah, yeah, the, the firearm, the guy sucked. That's not true. The Bills had some success with Ken Dorsey on offense. They were a very high scoring team. Mm. There were also a lot of things that had to change. So I'm kind of debating and I just want to kind of frame it the right way to explain to them what they're getting. What, what, what would you say?
1: I would say you're getting, I, I don't. It's funny. It's like it's. It's a tough question, even after seeing him with the Bills for over a year. I think what you're getting is you're getting somebody that is going to d- help to get Deshaun Watson in the best place possible with his mechanics and with his process. I mean, when Dorsey was the quarterback coach for the Bills. I mean, Dable will get most of the credit, probably rightfully so. It's his offense, but Dorsey's on that staff. He's the second most important coach to Allen while he sees his rise. And if I'm trying to get Watson back into his elite form, which they better, he's getting $50 million guaranteed, then, all right, give me a guy that was a part of Allen's, you know, meteoric rise. And. When it comes to like what type of offense he wants, like maybe that even meshes in Cleveland. He if he wanted twelve personnel with the Bills and he wanted, you know, to do a lot of yards after catch stuff, which we heard him talk about, then like Cleveland's got the 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 tools for that. Like that's the offense I think that Stefanski likes to play a lot, which is two tight ends and play action and be able to run the ball well. They're going to get Nick Chubb back, so. I would say you're getting a coordinator that might be a more natural fit to the offense he's going to be in. And at the same time, I think you're getting a guy that I think is going to help get Deshaun Watson back to where they need him to be. So I, I think good hire. And he's not going to call plays, so I don't know how much you have to worry about. I don't think he's going to call plays. I don't think you have to worry about you know that part of it. Oh, that's
3: true. I didn't even think, I didn't really think about
1: that though. You're right. Yeah. You know, Devans- Stefanski will still be the play call. That's sure. right.
3: That's right. You know, but I think what I'm going to say is look, I mean, to me, it seemed like the Bills had a lot of talk about simplification, like simpling things down, paring things down. It seemed like Dorsey maybe put too much on guys' plates. Maybe that's why they didn't, there, there were too many critical mistakes made. Not that there weren't critical mistakes later in the season, but I would say, Joe, there were more. There were more earlier in the year. By the offense, and there were later in the year. Now, there were obviously in the playoff game, we know that, and some drop passes, I get it. But it seemed like to me, maybe there was too much going on. And then when, when Brady came in, there was more motion, right? You'd agree with that, there was a little more motion. Yep. He moves, digs around a little bit. It seemed like they were maybe specifically game planning a little bit more under Brady than they were with Dorsey, who to me, Dorsey was more of a... Hey, I got Josh Allen. This is what we do. We're going to be good at it. Let's go do it. And that's okay. But it seemed like Brady was more. Well, this is what the defense is doing. Let's attack it specifically this way.
1: Yeah, I, I hear that. So, like, I I think it could go well for Dorsey, and also, you know, it's not as good a position for him to get back in like a head coach, you know, type of right. circle. Um, because being the play caller, getting the credit for like a Josh Allen offense is going to be number one for that. But if Deshaun Watson turns it around. Even if he's not the play caller, I think that Dorsey could kind of rehabilitate, you know, his status as a potential head coach someday, if but he's they got to get Watson back to what he was in Houston or else he won't get that.
3: Real quick, Bobby Babich, we don't know, you know, his status. He has been requested by three different teams to interview for their defensive coordinator job. There's no guarantee he gets one of those jobs. Now obviously the Bills would love to keep him in the building. I'm sure they would. I'm not speaking for them, but I think they would. Um, But is it, does it mean they have to make them their defensive coordinator and play caller? I'm not sure. You have to see how all this goes. Giants, Packers, Dolphins have all requested interviews. We'll see where it goes. We'll talk about it tomorrow back here on the Extra Point Show. In the meantime, Sabres Live up next. The Sabres are on the All-Star break after a nice win in San Jose. One Bill's live after that here on Monday on WGR.
5: down another fake come with jamison williams just beats her has a block williams cuts up 25 20 still at his feet jamison williams scores elijah mitchell in for the first time tonight guess what he's gonna get it mitchell surging forward touchdown and there it is the 49ers are going to the super bowl that's away from chanel He's trying to get after him for a second time, but the ball is thrown to the end zone, and it's caught! Flowers with the touchdown!
0: Second and goal. It's back to Pacheco. Pacheco drives across for the Chiefs' touchdown.
5: And He's heading back to the Super Bowl for the fourth time in five years, and a chance to become the first team since New England of 2003 and four. To go back to
0: back. The Extra Point Show with Sal Capaccio and Sneaky Joe DiBiase on WGR Sports Radio 550.
3: Uh, I was looking forward. I was thinking about Vegas, man. I was thinking about Vegas for the last few months.
1: Mm.
3: But I mean, that's just what you do, right? You think about how you could be there at the end, what you're going to do, who you're going to hang with, all that.
1: You could still go. <laughs> I, know. Just, just I have friends Total that are going, yeah. and they're like, you know, hey, I'm still
3: going. I come out, yeah. I know. No, I won't be doing that. I won't be doing that. I mean, there will be a lot of media there. It'll be other markets there. I won't be there, but it would have been nice to be there. Of course, it will be the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco Forty Nine ers, a rematch of a Super Bowl just a few years ago, and that on the call, bringing you those calls there from television, Fox Sports, Kevin Burkhart, and of course Jim Nance. From CBS, Chiefs, 49ers. All right, Joe, two things that I think kind of signal that I'm getting old here, all right, Hmm. that I want to run by. You tell me am i overthinking it or whatever, but I need your help here, all right? Okay. So as I'm getting older, I think I'm also getting softer in some ways. First of all, one that is completely not related to anything with sports because I have to get this out of the way. And I feel bad asking. I'm embarrassed to ask this because you're going to be like, "Are you kidding me? You don't know this?" uh Oh, what, Joe? What? What is? I, yeah, I don't know. What is this meme with this girl that I keep seeing on my social oh. media? That she's like Sydney Sweeney, the blonde girl with all the spices, or yeah, who is that? What is going on here, Sydney Sweeney? Why Can do we, I see this girl on like every five minutes on a meme?
1: She's a uh, she's an actress that was on uh, the Hot Ones uh, Wing Show that uh that you see pop up once in a while. That that's a very memeable show by the way. It's where celebrities try like, you know, one wing after another and they progressively get hotter until you get to, like the hottest wing ever made. So like there's a there's a shack meme from that show. I think there's a Gordon Ramsay meme from that okay. show. So Sydney Sweeney who is an actress that's in a lot of a lot of stuff recently that's that she was in Euphoria, which is a show um on HBO. She's on a lot of movies now. White Lotus, another HBO show. She was on that show. Why? Why has
3: this become the meme? Like, why? Why has this become such
1: a popular meme with her? I I, like, don't know. I don't know. Like, where'd this come from? I don't. It's a good question. I don't know why that you know screen grab in particular was chosen. Um, I mean, meme generating, like how memes get started or why they catch fire, is something that's even a little bit foreign to me. Like, I just kind of roll with it, but like. Mm-hmm. Why did we all for like three weeks, a couple months ago, decide we were just gonna pull from the archives this Kevin James photo with his hands in his pockets from like the King of Queens in two thousand one? I don't know why that I started. Know. I participated and I rolled with it once it started, but I don't yeah, but how some of this stuff starts, I I don't I don't know why that was chosen. So I hope that helps.
3: Am I am I am I showing like should I have known that?
1: No, Sydney i mean. Sweeney's,
3: like I I I kept seeing her pop up. Everybody's using it. So literally last night, not kidding you, literally last night, I had to turn to Yana and say, okay, do you know who this girl is? I don't know who this girl is. And I'm wondering. And we were doing, like, image Google image search. We could not figure out. I'm like, there's got to be a show here. There's got to be something. There's all uh-huh. these spices and sauces or whatever. I can't figure it out. So we were literally trying to upload the image into a Google reverse search so that I didn't sound like an idiot. And then I'm like, I finally have to just break down and ask.
1: No, yeah. I, I think uh... – no, I don't think you're in the wrong for not knowing like, where it started because I think she's, she's like an up-and-coming actress right now. She's not like you okay. know someone you would have seen in movies like five years ago. So unless you've seen things recently that she was in, I think you could have very easily not known who this was. And if you don't watch Hot Ones you know like on a consistent basis, you might not know off the top of your head like what that's from. So no, I don't think this is not like uh, one where I want to bury you because you're old guy because okay. you didn't know this one.
3: All right, I'm reading her Wikipedia page right now. Best known for her roles in HBO drama series Euphoria. Yeah. And yeah. the first season of the anthology series The White Lotus, as you said. Super good which show. Which earned yeah. her nominations for yes. her Primetime Emmy Awards. Okay. All right, Sydney Sweeney. Thank you. I, I had no idea. Yeah, It you're just became a thing.
1: Not, not, a, I don't think this is a bad one at all. Again, okay, it's not, uh. Okay. It's not like. I That show, too, though. I will, I would just, if you see, like, black background sitting at a table, if you see the wings, that's obvious, too. Like, that's a show that is very memeable. Like, you're going to see more from okay. that show in the future just because, you know, people eating wings that, like, you know, you're, like, you, you have to sign a waiver to eat. Uh, you know, it's very naturally going to cause, I think, some wow. uh, facial expressions.
3: Are we supposed to be watching that show here in Buffalo a little bit more than other places?
1: Um, I don't know. I bet you Because of the wings? I bet you their viewership's probably higher here than other places. I don't know that, but I might guess mm. that that's true. Yeah, it's a wing-based. Do they show, go to different sense. cities to do it? How does this work? I think they probably just do
3: it in one studio. I don't know that for sure, okay. but
1: I think they probably. But just that would be—that's
3: what you got to do. You got to go to different
1: cities and have different kinds of wings and different hey, sauces. If, and... if they ever want to do uh, like a, here, here's an idea for Hot Ones. We should we should get on the phone with them. If they ever want to do a live, uh, like a live incarnation of that show. I mean this this is the uh, this is the place to do it. A live Hot Ones. Maybe if they ever get Josh mm-hmm. Allen as a guest, you do it live in Buffalo. <laughs>
3: Oh, didn't he do the other thing where he... What did, what did Josh do with that wing? It was like a... I don't know. It was something oh, the Buffalo weird. Oh, like He dipped it. Yes, yes, Pepsi. yes. That was, that was the whole thing there. So, yeah, wing wing shows and things like that. Okay, Sydney Sweeney. I will know that now. I will let my wife know when she comes All home. Right. Joe helped me. We figured it out. I wanted to throw it out there to the Twitterverse, and I would have got a lot of responses letting me know, but I figured I'd just ask you because you would know. So Safe thank you space. for that. Safe All space. Right. Yeah. Now... What is it?
1: Safe. I This is a safe space. Safe space. Yeah, safe space for you and I. (laughs) Talk about that.
3: Uh, Extra Point Show. Sal Capaccio, Sneaky Joe DiBiase. Good Monday morning to you. Kansas City against San Francisco in the Super Bowl. Some Bill's coaching news we're going to talk about today, including Eric Washington leaving to be the defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears. And we'll do that with Chris Emma, our guy out in Chicago. And also, Joe, really good time to kind of just... Think about the offseason and the draft and things like that. And the Bears hold the number one pick. They also have Justin Fields, right? So uh, we'll ask about Chris, the kind of season Tremaine Edmonds had, and what Eric Washington's role will be, but exactly what the plan might be at the top of the draft, which will obviously impact the rest of the draft. We'll do that at 11.05 a.m. In the meantime, I'm thinking about these games this weekend. I'm thinking about the playoffs. And the other thing that I think makes me sound old, and I think maybe getting softer as I get older, I'm just kind of over and tired, Joe, of having to play the blame game every time someone loses or having to play the can't win the whatever every time Mm. someone loses. Quarterbacks, coaches, doesn't matter. Like, I mean, for the last three weeks, it's been all about, well, Allen can't beat Mahomes. Lamar now can't win the big one. Sean McDermott, Dan Campbell last night. Yeah, I know. He gets blamed. I get it. And I'm talking micro and macro, Joe, by the way. Yes, I understand Dan Campbell made some really curious decisions. I hated the third down call. I
2: mm-hmm.
3: I just think that instead of living in the space where it's always got to be someone's fault or someone can't do something, I've been choosing to look the other uh, the other side and say, "Holy cow, like the Niners are really good." And man, mm-hmm. these Chiefs are amazing, right? I I think it discredits what the other team does. It is sports. Only one team can win all the time. And this really got me maybe because of the whole Josh Allen one, right? Where I went, I told you the story about ESPN Radio last week, right? How I went on ESPN Radio and I got into it with the host. Did I tell you that story?
1: Yes. Yes, you did. Yep. Okay.
3: And and that happened, right? So, go on ESPN Radio. They basically just start interceptions, interceptions, Josh Allen, and he can't win. And, and it just it got me upset. And I'm like, this is not true. And then the whole thing with Lamar. I don't think Lamar played a great game. But it doesn't mean that he's not. I mean, I still think he's going to win the MVP and he's deserving of the MVP. It shouldn't be about Lamar not winning and beating Patrick Mahomes. It shouldn't be about Josh Allen not winning, and beating Patrick Mahomes. To me, it should look at the other way. Am I going too soft thinking that we're doing this way too much?
1: No, I think it's natural, you know, that sports and sports debate is going to have that happen. Um, the the Niners, you know, I think because the The Lions and Campbell, it's strategic stuff that, that that will often get more talked about because it's like a conscious decision that like one person makes that, that will be talked about more. The Chiefs, it, it, like, that's not to take credit away from the Niners either. The Niners in the second half were unstoppable. And I do want to give them credit, and I want to give Purdy credit. I am not a Brock Purdy guy, and I even said this mm-hmm. morning that I think very easily the Niners made the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo and realized in that game that there are plays that guy can't make, and they would have won the Super Bowl if he could make them, and then they decided we need to go get a quarterback that can do everything. They missed, but I think it's very possible that they could end up in the same spot with Brock Purdy. But nonetheless, that, that that's how I think of Purdy, and I would want to give him credit for balling in the second half of that game yesterday. He yeah. made throws. He ran the ball. He did have to get lucky that one ball hit a dude in the face that you know went in, into his receiver's hands, so he did get lucky along the way too. But I want to give Purdy credit for yesterday. I want to give the Niners offense credit for, you know, the, the Lions aren't a great defense, but Shanahan and those skill position players, they built an offense that can look like that. And for the Chiefs, I, I don't know, I think the Chiefs could have very easily lost that game. They punt. They didn't score a touchdown after their second drive of the game. Like, the Ravens had nine drives after the Chiefs scored their last touchdown. I I really wanted them to do it, but Mm -hmm. part of that is what you're saying is part of that is the Chiefs, after trading Tyreek Hill in the last three drafts, have built and developed like naturally. They didn't go out and pay, you know, these big free agents. They naturally developed an elite defense. And, you know, as much as Lamar is going to get, you know, blamed today, part of it is that I think the Chiefs had a defense that were capable of doing that to him.
3: That's an interesting discussion and point you just brought up about the Chiefs and what they've done over the last couple years. First of all, is it odd that Steve Spagnuolo is never in any kind of conversation for a head coaching job? I understand he was a head coach once, and it went terribly wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? It was bad. He, the St. Louis Rams. He was the coach of the St. Louis Rams a while ago. It was really bad. But I'm actually surprised, Joe, I've not heard
1: his name at all in this hiring cycle after what he's done
3: the last couple years.
1: You think it's an age thing maybe? Sixty four at this point, like maybe. Teams might be wondering like how much how if things went perfect, how long would he be the coach? Type of, you know, thinking maybe.
3: It could be. And especially because we are seeing a trend of boy, these coaches getting hired, Joe, are very young now. We're seeing oh, yeah. guys, oh, yeah. many guys in their 30s now getting hired, right? I mean, it's been happening. Yep. I mean, Sean McVay was 29, I think. He's still one of the youngest coaches in the league. And he's been there for six, seven years, which is amazing. And this is the trend. So it could very well be. I do find that interesting. But your point about the Chiefs, which they've done it. they, don't, I don't think anybody would deny the Chiefs' backbone of their team this year has been their defense, not their offense, right? Now, their offense right. played like they did some nice things towards the stretch and in the playoffs at times. But really they've won with defense, but what's funny is we get a lot and I'm not saying this is right or wrong mm-hmm. i I think you could always look at it both ways but how many times have we taken calls or heard from fans maybe we've said here even on this show or whatever whatever show that boy it, you know you gotta just it's all about offense and you why is waste why put resources into the defense just keeping putting isn't that what the chiefs have done isn't that why they're here? They, let, they literally let their offense fall off in order to invest in and develop on defense, and that's why they're here again.
1: Yeah, no, you're right. Like they, I, They've kind of gone the opposite way of something that I would have said for years, which is, hey, don't worry about your defense so much because once you play Kansas City or the Bengals or a team like that, it doesn't matter how good your defense is. They're just going to get their 30, 35 points. And amazingly, defense is caught up. That's not true anymore about this chief's team. They're not just going to go get their thirty one thirty five points, and they're still here anyway like it, right. it just, of course, the year that they they took a step back on defense had to be the year that they just found their way into this elite defense. I mean Sal, in their final nine drives yesterday, they had three points, and oh. they're in the Super Bowl, like, what the hell? That shouldn't be possible for this Chiefs team that they get to be in the Super Bowl with three points in their final nine drives but they've kind of you know they've taken part right and de- they've taken part in defenses catching up to offenses um the corners are great right Sneed's great McDuffie's great Reed's great at safety Chris Jones is a mauler on that line you, like they mm-hmm. they did something that I would have blasted them for two years ago, which was they basically decided we're going to get rid of our elite, historically fast, wide receiver that nobody can replicate in the league, his type of skill set, it, it, to, to his degree. Nobody can replicate it. We're going to trade him. We're going to use those picks on defensive players. We're going to use that money to keep Chris Jones around for the time being, and we'll just kind of, you know, pick and choose here with receivers and we'll spend some second round picks and we'll just kind of go that route and they're still here they've made back-to-back Super Bowls doing that I mean it's it's pretty unbelievable that they've been able to manage that you know
3: who it reminds me of it reminds me a lot of the Patriots thinking through a lot of their run yeah they never went out and invested in wide receiver I know they got Randy Moss for what a year or two and it was great they didn't win a Super Bowl with him but yes of course but their their philosophy generally was they yeah. can kind of put together a receiving core. They'll have a couple... Edelman was there for a while. He was great. So I know it's not completely the same, but the Patriots kind of had that philosophy. They were winning with guys like Rache Caldwell, right? I mean, or Deion Branch, right? I mean, like, they were not winning with the elite wide receivers. They basically said, we have Tom Brady. He'll make everyone better. So let's make sure that all the other things around it can be better. Which, by the way, is why we get to where. Bill Belichick was after Brady left, which is once you don't have that anymore, you gotta concentrate on putting around putting more weapons, and they haven't done that. That's exactly to me what the chiefs are doing
1: yeah you gotta they gotta you gotta pick and choose too, like when you win, are you going to be somebody that just we gotta keep everybody we gotta you know we gotta keep mm-hmm. the ship together because they deserved it, they earned it, like the chiefs have been willing this is kind of a New England thing too, I guess. You don't have to be beholden to pay everybody just because you win, right? And the Chiefs decided they right. didn't have to pay Tyreek Hill, despite what he meant to that team, despite winning a Super Bowl with them. They didn't feel beholden to pay one of their key players, and they moved on from him, and it's worked. And, you know, maybe there are Patriots examples that go both ways, but one name that comes to mind for me for them is Darrell Revis. They had Darrell Revis; He was a first-team All-Pro. They won the Super Bowl, and they decided, now nah, we don't need to pay him. We're going to let him go and they won more super bowls after that. And I think that's although like I don't want to necessarily tie the bills in for a point on that or any other team because I think that's easier to do when you've won. Right? Like when you've already won like cuz you got to sell that to your fans, you got to sell it to season ticket holders, you got to sell that, you know, to your players as well. I think you can easy it's easier to get away with hey, we're going to move on from a core piece player. Like this, we're going to decide not to pay him. I feel like sometimes that might be easier to do when you have that ri- that ring in your back pocket to kind of get away with it or like to have that credibility to do it.
3: It's easier to do when you have a great quarterback, too. I mean, that's really what it is. And they had Brady. You know, th- what was the mantra for many years? The Patriots know they move on a year too early before it's a year too late. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? You can move on a year too early when you have Tom Brady covering up the holes. So the Chiefs, to me, are taking some of that page and some of that philosophy of, you know what? We don't have to just outscore everybody. We can also play some defense because our quarterback is really good, and we don't have to not even outscore him. We wouldn't have to put a ton of resources into what we're doing on offense. And also, Joe, how about this? I mean, Rasheed Rice is starting to look a little better. Even the resources they put into the offense and early picks have not panned out that well for them. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is nothing right, anymore. Right, right. They just drafted him as the, in, in their first pick a few years ago. Sky Moore has been nothing for them. Miko Hardman left and came back. He's done nothing for them. He's been a, he was a second round pick. It's wild to me. They have missed on a ton of, of, of draft picks like every team does. This is not a, I'm just gonna hammer the Chiefs. I always say this. Yeah. Look at the Bills, the Chiefs, their draft it's it's similar around the league. The Chiefs have missed just as much as anybody, especially on some of their offensive picks.
1: They've that that's what's that's what more of my frustration too. Like right. they, they have hit on all the they've hit on all the defensive picks. Right? Like they've built <laughs> their defense through the draft with McDuffie and Karloftis and Nick Bolton was a second round pick. Their other safety, um Brian Cook was a second round pick. Um, Willie Gay Jr., Like they they've drafted and hit on their defensive picks. But like you just said, they've missed on so many offensive picks that it's even more frustrating that they're still mm-hmm. here. Like, how... <laughs> it, it feels... This will maybe change because the Bills were one play away, right? And they've been one play away a couple times. And bounces can go either way. You can get Luck involved in this as well. But there is an element of, for me this morning... Man, it's just never going to end, is it? Like, we had this with the Patriots, and it never ended. So all I know in the AFC is, well, one team dominates for two decades. And you'll get other teams get mixed in there along the way as well, but one team is going to exist there to dominate. Even though the NFC, that hasn't been true. AFC, it has. And they're going to get better. Like, I don't want to get too bogged down in that, but yesterday I'm watching that game shaking my head. Like, they're going to win, and they have all this cap space. You know, like they have all these advantages. They got to pay Chris Jones and Snead. So they're not going to have as much cap space as as they have on the. If they do that, if they do that, by the way, maybe Chris Jones.
3: And I, I I actually think there is a possibility Kelsey retires.
1: That's true too. That's right. But I'm shaking my head, thinking like they they might be better next year. They very easily could be better. Like if they want to go pay T Higgins, they have the money to do it. And I'm shaking my head, thinking like. The Bills can't do that, the Dolphins can't do that, the Jets can't do that, the, the Chargers can't do that. There's so many contending teams that don't have that luxury. How the hell are the Chiefs in the Super Bowl and they're the team that has that luxury?
3: Let's go out to the phone lines right now. Let's take a couple of calls before we get to the bottom of the hour break. CJ in Buffalo starts us off. Hi, CJ.
2: Hey uh Sal Joe, how you guys on? Hey, um real Good, quick, thanks. I know you guys I know Sal spoke on um I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like how they drafted and got the defense going and everything and how they picked up. But I think the big thing is we have a defensive minded head coach and we keep drafting defense, but wouldn't like he has already showed this year as a defensive coordinator and a defensive minded head coach that even if your main pieces aren't there, your scheme and your coaching is so good that you can do well enough for your team to make it far. The Chiefs won Super Bowls in the early years with a a middle of the line defense and all the weapons on offense because they have their quarterback and an offensive minded head coach. And they already had Tyreek Hill and Kelsey and their offensive minded head coach, but the bills keep drafting defense. We don't need the defense. Give pieces to your offensive coordinator. They drafted offense too. They drafted
3: Dalton Kincaid last year. They drafted James Cook the year
2: before. No, what I mean is like earlier, like, Early, early in, and since 2020, we've known Josh Allen can do it. What I'm saying is earlier, you should have started this other than drafting Boogie Basham and uh, Rousseau. And there's so much to stop in an offensive league when why not score with them? We know you. I know,
3: CJ, but I know, CJ, cool hold on now. a second. I, what I'm trying to say is, mm-hmm. CJ, hold on one second, okay? I just think you're forgetting or leaving out intentionally or whatever. The fact that that's just they have drafted offense. You keep saying these. What about the guys they have drafted? They have done both, you know.
2: But I mean, in, a, in as far as wide receivers, so what? My, my point is, you drafted more. Oh, okay,
3: if you want to say a wide receiver, I agree with you. I haven't done that. They drafted a yeah. tight end in the first round last year. Hold on, they drafted a running back in the second round the year before. They drafted running backs in each of the third rounds the years before that.
2: No, I absolutely agree. My point is to to, to help Josh Allen, and as much as we pass. And you don't want to be this run team. Yeah, Jeremy talks about it. Joe talks about it. We don't want to be stuck in this running world. And I know you've tried to reach within the first three rounds to get more running backs than you have wide receivers. I mean, early round picks. Yes, we got a pass catcher tight end and a pass catching running back. Where are the wide receivers for Josh Allen since 2020 in the first three rounds? That's all I'm asking. Okay, that's for. a different I'm argument. You, you, a that's, a different,
3: you, you, right. that's a different argument. You said they they're only drafted for defense, they weren't. Yes, I agree with you. I think Joe does too that they that they the need more wide round. receivers.
2: Agreed. Yes, so that yes, maybe yes. that's my point, but I'm just talking in the first in the earlier rounds, why are we not reaching but for I I don't know.
1: I Listen, ahead, CJ, Joe. I agree with you wholeheartedly by wide receiver, but I would limit it to that position because yeah, in their in the first two rounds, 3 of their last 4 picks are on the offensive side of the football. I wanted one of those to be a wide receiver, but I wouldn't make it about the defense. I would make it about Specifically, receiver, because between Kincaid, Torrance, and Cook, like those are those are three picks that were in the first two rounds. So you know we can look at Basham if you want to break them down individually. Like uh, Nate Geary on the station still can't believe they didn't draft Creed Humphrey there. Like I might agree with him on that, but that's three years ago now. So if you want to make a point about it being earlier, that's fine. But they have started to shift here because again two second-round picks and a first-round pick in the last two years that they have thrown to the offensive side of the football. Just I would make it more about receiver specifically if you're trying to make this point.
3: And and, well, and to point. CJ's oh. point, and it, which you're right, if you look at the Chiefs, they have drafted, they drafted a receiver in the second round last year, Rice. The year before that, Sky Moore in the second round. Uh, fifth round they had the year before that, and then there was running back. But they have drafted a couple receivers. They haven't hit. Rice might be pretty good. Sky Moore hasn't. But, yeah, they've right. drafted a couple early on.
2: Yes, they have. It's just it's kind of frustrating that one it, there's a competition thing. One, you maybe maybe it's just me being biased on looking back, saying our cap is getting to the point where our right. team is getting older. You don't have a young receiving core, and you're you're getting hit on a cap with a Von Miller and bigger names. That's all I'm saying. I know it's, it could be injuries and looking yeah. back now, but at the same time, it's we we need to get youthful. The only positive I can say right now is. We don't need anything on offense but wide receivers because I think the offensive line <laughs> I is agree good. With you we got awesome yes, an right. yeah. uh, awesome quarterback, uh offensive coordinator that had Jamar Chase and Jefferson and Burrow and all you need is wide receivers and we got 10 picks if I'm not yeah. if I'm not wrong. I believe it's 10 picks, but
3: they 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 about. they will have 10 maybe 9 when it's all washed. But yeah, I have to look at it. CJ, we got to run. Thank you for it's it's a good thought. Right. I think we're all on the same page if you just say wide receiver instead of offense defense. You know what I mean, buddy?
2: Agree, but, hey, have a good day, guys.
3: All right, you got it. Yeah, I think that's where that comes from there. Hey, let's take a timeout. We'll come back. We'll debate more of this. We'll talk about this. You can give us a call, 803-0550, 888-550-2550. Sal Capaccio, Sneaky Jody Biasi, the Extra Points Show on a Monday.
5: Here's Kansas City from the 19, throwing at the goal line, and it's caught by Kelsey for the touchdown.
3: Travis Kelsey, <laughs> he's had a really, really great postseason. I know you don't love hearing that and seeing it, but it is true. He's had a great postseason. He passed Jerry Rice for um, a postseason, all-time postseason catches, right, Joe, I think it was? Passed Jerry Rice. And he had right, seven coming into the game. most and he,
1: ever. and he did it in like seven fewer games or something <laughs> than Jerry Rice. <laughs> it's amazing.
3: really is. All right, we're going to uh, get connected with our fans here. It's brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western New York's number one Kia dealer shop online at NorthTownKia.com. Craig in North Tonawanda is up next. Hi, Craig. You're on the Extra Point Show.
5: Hey, guys. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thanks. Good. I think it's fair to say that this
1: might be the most important draft in the bean McDermott era. You know, we definitely got to get Josh some more weapons. We got to rebuild the defensive line. You know, starting
5: safeties is a point of concern, too. I know they're going to have 10 draft picks likely
1: going into the draft. My question is, for some pieces that might not be as essential anymore, like kind of like a Dawson Knox or a Kyrie Elam, do you think uh, it's possible the front office might move on from these guys for extra draft capital before the draft? And if so, what do you know? If you're in Bean shoes, what would you try to get for them? Elam and who was the other one? Uh, Dawson, Dawson Knox. Knox. You know, I don't know that they would fetch the value. That would make it worth it. Like, Elam at this point, I don't know what you're getting. A late round pick? Um, I don't know how different you think that's going to do for your roster. And Knox, I I thought about the idea of trading him when the season ended, but I don't know. Brandon Bean sounded to me like that guy's on the team next year. You can't trade Dawson Knox with his contract. You can't.
3: You're taking an $11.7 million dead cap hit, and you're only saving $2 million. Right.
1: So at that point, it's what are you getting? Do you think a third round pick, if you get that at another position, plus two million dollars, is more valuable than Dawson Knox? Like I, I, I don't know. Like depends what the position is, I guess.
3: I mean, yeah. Um, so Craig, there's not they can't they basically can't trade Dawson Knox. He's got an eleven. He, he'd be a eleven million dollar cap hit plus the, yeah. this year. They're they're hardly saving anything. And I mean, he's still a good player. Even though you, I understand what you're saying with Dalton Kincaid, but you know, you you, you want to have you know. Ability to to have if guys get injured and things like that. Um, So I think that's off the table. Plus, the Bills sounded very much like they're not interested in anything like that. The way they talked at the end of the season. I would I would think that we're going to have a conversation, Joe and Craig, about Kyrie Elam throughout this offseason. I do think that he's going into his third year. He really can't get on the field. I know you really like him, Joe, and the things mm-hmm. that he brings. But I do think that is an appealing contract you can move to another team who maybe... And, and you know what else being said? And I think this is interesting. He said they feel they have depth at cornerback. So mm-hmm. I just think that's something
1: we're going to be talking about quite a bit. So that position, it, it he he's part of that depth, you know... If they were to move him, then you really have to wonder where Tradavius White's at, and whether Tradavius White is willing to take a pay cut on Elam. If they moved Elam in a trade, that would basically save you know mo- not everything, right? Yeah, that would. St- oh no, sorry, no, it wouldn't save anything. Um, if they traded him pre June first, the dead cap is basically the same as the cap hit. So then it comes down to is the pick because the, if the money's all if the money's all equal whether you cut him or not uh, or trade him or not are you getting more from the player that you're getting from the draft pick than you're getting from Kyrie Elam? And maybe the answer to that's yes. I don't think you're getting much for him though. And I have I do always like the player. I just don't think he's the right fit with his skill set for this defense. He is a very mm-hmm. we saw it in the Steeler game. He's a boomer bust type of corner. Like to me in Dallas, Kyrie would be great. Daron Bland is a boomer bust corner. Tra- 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 mm-hmm. is, uh, or Trayvon Diggs, same thing. Where like, those guys get burned all the time, but they have a million pick sixes and interceptions because that's the style of defense Dan Quinn plays. Sean McDermott asks a lot different of his cornerbacks, and I think that's a yeah. big reason why it might just never work here between Elam and McDermott. But... I don't know that you'd want to do that when you don't know about Tredavious White's health and Dane Jackson's a free agent. I would never, I, as much as I like Elam, I like Benford a ton, and I love Douglas. I would never start him over either one of those two. For me, it's about, is, do you trust Kyrie Elam enough to be your number 3 cornerback if Tredavious White's not ready to go? And for me, that's a yes, but I I'd still, of course, would have wonders about whether the team sees him that way.
3: You like him more than Dane Jackson?
1: Um, I do, yes. I mean, it's close okay. enough for me where, like, when Jackson was in over him, I didn't really bat much of an eye. But, yeah, I wouldn't prioritize. It's nice to have them both. I,
3: I, I like Jackson, too. He is a free agent, again, Dean Jackson. I don't think you'd have to spend a ton to re- retain him. Could be yeah. a Levi Wallace situation where someone offers him a, you know, halfway decent contract, not a ton, mm-hmm. but you just can't find the money. Could be something like that. I, he, if you look, spot track, Mike Giannetti has, if you trade Elam before June 1st, yeah. It's a cap hit of $3.6 million, dead cap. I don't think the Bills would be interested in that. This is one of those situations, Joe, where to me, you see how the offseason plays out. You go through OTAs. You go through minicamp. I don't think the Bills want to divest themselves of their first-round pick from just two years ago without at least thoroughly vetting what he is this offseason, knowing where they stand, and then going into training camp and saying, okay, now if something comes across... And he's not going to get on the field, we can trade him with a much more minimal uh dead cap hit. It's a post June one trade. You'd be taking on less than two million dollar dead cap the next two years. Yeah. And then and then maybe you get something the following year. The problem with that type of scenario is you don't get the return right now for this draft. And as Craig pointed out, it's a very important draft.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. I I, I might predict that he's not moved. It would not stun me. It would not surprise me at right. all. Um there were some comments made by Bean too, right? And even Elam after the season about how the injury might have impacted him more than others. And listen, like they've, you know, you can roll your eyes at that, and I'm one to do that too when, you know, injuries get made an excuse for a player's whole season. But sometimes, like, look at Spencer Brown, right? Like I rolled my eyes at the idea that Spencer Brown was not good last year just because of a back injury that he had in camp. But the Bills said that that was the reason why he had a up-and-down year, and then this year he was healthy and was a lot better. So... You know, maybe they're right about it. Maybe the foot injury was more than we thought it was. Mm -hmm. And I will always point to, you know, some of his advanced numbers that show that he's really only had one bad game, one really, truly bad game of the games he started. He was horrible against Jacksonville, no doubt. He got smoked by Calvin Ridley play after play. But the rest of his career... You know, there there are – there are, here, again, it's the type of corner he is, boom or bust. He makes some bad plays, but there are enough splash plays that he makes to offset that to where the numbers show that he's actually not pretty good at the end of the day. So I don't need to put him on the field. I don't even need him over Dane Jackson. If they think maybe there's a struggling first-round pick on another team, Sal – at a different position where they go, we'll trade you our struggling first-round pick for your struggling first-round pick. I don't know how the money would work (laughs) there, but I wouldn't be stunned if a deal like that happened.
3: It's a football trade. (laughs) We talk about hockey trades, right? That's a football trade. That's Kelvin Shepard for Jerry Hughes, by the way. Yeah. Who, Kelvin yeah. Shepard, I believe, I saw on my TV last night, he is an assistant coach for the Lions. Good for Kelvin Shepard. He's made a career out of football, even though it didn't work out on the field. He's an assistant coach for the Lions, so good for him. Yeah, that would be a uh, the classic yes. football trade. Joel, up in New Hampshire. What's up, Joel?
5: Hey, guys.
0: How you doing? Hey, um, good, I was watching the game yesterday, and, <clears throat> you know, I, I don't know. I didn't watch Baltimore much this year. But I'll tell you, you know, I was at the Chiefs game, broke out um, – you know, what? had a good time with the Mafia and everything. But uh, this offense of ours, we're pretty good. I mean, we were two – like two plays away and a missed kick from keeping that game as close as – I mean, winnable against this vaunted, you know, KC defense. So when you're talking draft, I could see, like, if we hit – and there's plenty of receivers. We hit on one more receiver, I think this draft – might be in the later rounds with all these draft picks showing up the linebackers, corners, and uh, because it, pretty much everybody on offense is coming back next year, right? I think this Ty Johnson we picked up from the Jets was an excellent pickup. Very, you know, like a sleeper. Mm-hmm. Cooks dropping that pass. Yeah, I mean, you got to work on that. I mean, that was huge. That drop pass, he walks into the end zone. That changes. Yeah, the but he, they scored two
3: plays later anyway, Joel. Joel, they scored anyway. No, I know I, mean, know,
0: I know, man. I know. But I know, but it's just like the fact that he dropped that pass again. I got. I mean, it, it, I it seems. It. Yeah. You know. You know what I mean. I'm not dissing them. Yeah. I'm not dissing them. But I am not that. Well, look
3: here's here's your point, Joel. Because I want to I want to get another call. And I want to say to your point, though, if I can, you're talking about the offense. Yes, pretty much. You're right. The offense is coming back. In fact, so I have a chart that I have that people can look um, at my Twitter at Sal Sports, and if you look at the, I, I highlight in blue the um, pending free agents. Definitely more on the offensive side. I mean, you do have Ty Johnson is a free agent, but you know maybe they can get him back. Davis and Sherfield, and then David Edwards. That's it. Like Kyle Allen, Damian Harris, but yeah, Kyle Allen's a free agent, backup quarterback. But you're really only looking at one, two, I mean, really two, three guys who are any kind of contributors on offense, and then on defense, a whole bunch of them, Steve. So I think you're right that, I mean, um, Craig, I think you're right that they're going to have to probably you know shore that up. Real quick, let's get to Steve in Pennsylvania before the break. Go ahead, Steve.
5: Hi guys, go go Bills. I think uh the, the evaluation on the uh draft has been good, that they've done a good job overall, like you said, that they've done as well as any team. I think that they have misevaluated a lot of the pro picks, the their free agents, the, the Hardy's, the Sherfields, because you look at the cornerstone of what where the Bills have been over the last five, six years. It's poyer, it's it's uh, Micah. It is Morse, uh, but they've misevaluated the pro scouting. What do you think?
3: Hmm. I can understand that.
5: Yeah, I think it's tough. I
3: think that the thing you're dealing with, Steve, you you you're mostly in free agency because they've had a they've been up against the cap. You can't spend a ton of money, so you're getting guys who aren't aren't getting a lot of interest and. I I hear what you're saying. I think it's a little tougher though, given those constraints. You know what I mean?
5: Well, certainly the dollar. You know, you're not going to be able to to get the Von Miller every time, but it's evaluating and finding, like the Poyer and the Micah and yep. uh, guys like that that were good, but trying to find that great value where well, that, yeah. that they've not done very well in the last few years.
1: You know, some yes and no. So, you know, this is probably with most things. Some of that though is started by missed picks. I think the Bills are like most teams. They have missed picks. And I think there's enough there's actually I think ESPN did this like last off season where they actually like looked into like how often teams are hitting and the Bills were like in the top 10. So they they weren't the best team in the league at drafting, but they were fine. And that was before like Terrell Bernard, you know, took a step and Brown. So I think some of those this though can start with draft misses and then your pro scouting can make up for that. Like or the other way. Like, why does why do they pay Von Miller a hundred million dollars? It's because well, we drafted Epinesa and he's not looking as good as we maybe hoped, and Rousseau was okay year one, but not what we really wanted. Like elite franchise pass rusher, basham too. Like they got Devon because they had taken swings before at that position and they hadn't found their way to a number one guy. But that can it, and that hasn't gone great, but it can go well. I mean, they missed on Kyrie Elam. They would have never asked their pro scouting department to evaluate Rasul Douglas for them had Kyrie Elam been a great player, but they missed on the pick. And then when they got to White's injury and said, well, we need a corner. And I'm thinking that's a good example of them doing a good job of finding Rasul Douglas, getting him on a third-round pick, and then he steps in and is playing at an all-pro level the second half of the year.
3: Well, you could take it even player by player, position by position, which is he brings up, Steve, you bring up, Sherfield and Hardy and that's fine and you're not wrong I could also say but they got value out of Connor McGovern this year I would say they got value out of Daquan Jones as a free agent you can go back to when they didn't get it out of Mario Addison right and those guys Quentin Jefferson right Joe remember those those defensive linemen they yep. were rotating in and out I mean you could definitely so I I think it is yes you have to look at kind of the all everything in totality um you know and and yes you have some misses there you have some hits but you're right Joe you if you hit on the draft, if you if A.J. Epinesa becomes uh, what you thought he might be early in his career, if Greg Rousseau, I mean, he's been a nice player, maybe you don't have to find your way to Von Miller and spend all that money, and then that eats up a lot of your cap to go out and get some of these lower-level guys. So I do think it's kind of a, a little bit of both. But Steve, it's a good point. I, I understand where you're coming from. I do think they've hit on a few, but they've also obviously have some misses, which puts them in this situation. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Oh, by the way, remember when we talked about how the Patriots kind of got, hey, we, we, we have Tom Brady and how the Chiefs are doing the same thing. Hey, we have Patrick Mahomes. I'll tell you another mm, group that's doing the same thing, but I think it could very well backfire for them. After this on WGR.
1: Stat of the day brought to you by Seneca Gaming and Irving, home of the biggest bingo payouts and slot machines with thousands won daily. Stat of the day, courtesy of Patrick Mahomes, who is incredible and amazingly at age 28, is already with the win yesterday, now third all-time in playoff wins by a quarterback. And he's only 28 years old. It's your stat of the day. It's not a fun stat, but it's unbelievable. He's got as many playoff wins as Peyton Manning, and he's only 28. More than I, Roethlisberger I, I, dude, I, and all those guys. I think he might catch Brady. I really do. Brady, Brady's at 35. He's at 14. No, I mean for Super Bowl. Games. Oh, for Super Bowls. Right, though. Um, that's a lot. He needs seven. I know. He's at the same... I think he might catch him. Yeah, this is... Uh, it was Brady's fourth year, right? There he won three? He won his third? Won, well, his second year he won his first Super Bowl.
3: And he won three and four years then. So he won one in his second, his third, and his fifth year.
1: Okay. So... But he yeah. didn't win
3: one again for a while then, you know? Yep. And so, I mean, you'll he'll have about... Was this Mahomes' eighth year? It went... Yeah. You'll have to look back. They'll, have, they'll both have three in the same time span, I think.
1: I think so. It looks like age 28 is when Brady won his third. And this would be the third uh-huh. for Mahomes at 28. And <laughs> then Brady went seven years. Yes. Both, or eight years, even. Actually, no, was it ten? I think it might have been ten that he went between Super Bowls, because he lost to the Giants mm-hmm. twice. Um, so Mahomes has a lot of time to make up the ground in the middle. He's going to have yes. to do it in the middle, though, because you can't really count on. I think playing till forty-five. So. Speaking of Brady, very quickly before we get to the top of the hour, Chris Emma is going
3: to join us from uh, Chicago, our Odyssey sister station. Fox is doing basically what Belichick did and with Brady, which is, hey, we got Brady. Everything else take care of itself. Apparently, I mean, we don't know this for sure yet. It's been speculated. Brady's going to take over for Greg Olson, which sucks because Greg Olson's really good. Sucks for Greg Olson. Mm -hmm. But Fox is just banking on, hey, he's Brady. That doesn't matter. We're going to pay him, and he's Brady, and people are going to watch. And to some level, that's true, Joe, I guess. But... I just think that it's the wrong move from a, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Maybe Brady will be amazing. I think Greg Olson is really good at what he does, though.
1: Really good. Uh, I, I think agree. Greg Olson's
3: better than Tony Romo.
1: I agree with that. I I totally agree with that. Um, I wonder. I don't. I personally don't think Brady will ever do it. Like I think it might have just been a flex my muscles. Let me show everybody what what I could have gotten you know money he's wise he's supposed to earn
3: 375 million dollars for 10 years.
1: You don't think he will do it?
3: I don't I just
1: I still don't see it. I don't know like I I don't want to say how much money does he need, but he's got enough other business ventures that like I don't, you know, he's making enough money doing other things that would he want to be traveling around week to week during the NFL season doing that? Maybe he is that, you know, obsessed with football that he would. Um I I hope not though because my gut says he's not going to be that great at it. And I don't think mm-hmm. you can, I think Olsen's, it's tough to be better than Olsen is, right? Olsen is with the times and he is good at explaining yep. things and he's close enough to the game still where, you know, I feel like I learned something from him about whatever it is, coverage stuff yesterday he was talking about. So I like, yeah, I like Olsen a lot and I would really hope that they don't, they don't replace him with Brady. Who would be better on television? Brady
3: as a, Color analyst during games or Belichick on the desk. Belichick,
1: I I think Bel- I think so too. I think Belichick would be good in the desk, like really yep. good. Did you see the re- the? Re- it's not a report. Did you see the thing about him from the weekend? That yes, about TV. That Pat McAfee thinks he can get him. Oh wow, Pat! No, Ma- I didn't see that. And like Pat McAfee has Chuck Pagano on his show. I don't know if he would replace mm. Chuck Pagano, who used to be his head right. coach, who just like he hangs out every day. Like he's a part of the show every day. That's kind of how it sounded to me, that McAfee wants Belichick as like a daily contributor to that show, which would be very strange. We will take a timeout. Chris Emma from
3: The Score, our Odyssey sister station in Chicago, joins us. Eric Washington moving over to the Bears. Also, they have the number 1 pick and Justin Fields. What are they going to do as the offseason begins for many teams around the league, except for two, I guess, after this on WGR?